Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Namath. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to the pre-Christmas edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. I hope you're all having a great uh, week out here today and are ready for Christmas. And I have a very special show for you today. I have searched all the local mountains. I've searched all the valleys. I've searched everywhere to find the most interesting character in the world. And I got him. Drug him in here, looped him up, brought him in. I have Andy from the Etiwanda Gun Club here. Those of you who have ever had a snake break, you've probably run into this guy. I also have his buddy Dave Smith, Dave Smith with Quail Forever and the Bighorn Sheep Society. And we're going to talk about what these guys do. But, you know, number one here, Andy. One of the things you do besides running the Etiwanda Gun Club is you do dog training and snake breaks. Tell us a little bit about um, your familiarity with rattlesnakes. Well, basically, the thing went when I was a young man. I'm just eighty years old now. But when I was a young man, just a, a little background. I uh, we everybody kind of lived in rural area, and we had farms, we had ranches, and stuff in the uh, the uh, uh, we had dogs, and we and we had rattlesnakes then too. But they and, were raised. Well, you also had dinosaurs and dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, that was right at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we had uh, the dogs never never got bit. They 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 just knew what they were. They just, and their their mother taught them uh, to stay away from them, and so snake bites were really rare. But. We moved into town. We couldn't make any money out in the rural area. Moved into town, and we took our dogs with us. And when we took our dogs with us, they all of a sudden didn't know about snakes anymore. And uh, after we've lived our lives and moved back out in the country, the people are building houses up in these canyons and things. We got snakes. The snakes live there. They've been there forever. So uh, that's where we come in now. It's kind of a crash course when you uh, teach these dogs, uh, whereas their mother would do it. Well, it's 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 a different situation. So you get a dog bit, and we're talking a couple thousand dollars, and you may not get your dog back at all anyway. So here's the deal. You know, they, they we put snakes in cages and i think most all of the trainers do it the same way but the difference is that i'm a dog person i i have two friends and both of them are dogs and uh so they're well you have but only one of those dogs claims to be your friend well yeah huh. so <laughs> anyhow they will have uh uh we do groups i like to do groups because there's you know you can get everybody there and everybody can can see what's going on because there's a lot of people that are apprehensive about this whole type of training is and that is that uh the when the e-collar comes in or the shock collar uh when it comes into focus they say well i you know i don't want my dog well 
okay, the truth of the matter is that by the time that you went out there and maybe taught this dog how to do it, he's already been bit. So you're going to have to uh, do something drastic because this is the way it is. Uh, now we'll uh, have, uh, you know, a group of people. I put the snakes out in the, in cages, in little small cages, and uh, lead the dog around, make a course like you would anything else, and lead the dog and let him smell. And I'm a dog. Like I said, I'm a dog person, so I know what they're doing. I know what they're thinking and by their reactions and uh anyway when you lead them around and uh, they're introduced the snake starts rattling and the dog smells them and uh by golly it works uh two or three four times the, the dog all of a sudden because you've done this for my dogs for two yeah. years now yeah. all of a sudden the dog just looks at the snake and takes off the other way you know it's an experience that they don't forget you bet it is and uh there are th- some things and especially if they've never been on an e-collar now there are a lot of dogs that that, that are a little different uh to do and that is our uh are uh, service dogs now they you know they're a little tougher to do because they don't imagine anything ever hurting them and they're not going to be led into a situation where something's going to hurt them so that's an entirely different uh, thing you have to do there but and also the hunting dogs they're uh, a lot of them are trained on e-collars and uh so that's another thing you have to do and it's a but as a whole most of these little dogs uh take to it quite well and all the time i've ever done it uh which has been 30 years plus uh i've never had a dog bit to spin through the class you know that isn't to save them running wide out and 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 run into one of them and just step on him that isn't to say that he won't but as a rule they uh it it really takes and uh like i said it's uh not foolproof but it's about as close as you're gonna get and if you ever had one bit you're you're not gonna like what you see you know we had uh i took my uncle out last week to the Etowana Gun Club, shot some pheasants and some chuckers, and and he was telling us he had to whip it. Now he lived up in the Whittier area, and he used to take his dog walking up and down the dirt trails all the time. His whippet got bit, and uh, what was it? I think he said it cost him five thousand dollars <laughs> to get that dog fixed. Yeah, you know, so a little bit of prevention, right? Yeah, and, and, you and know, that's if you can get them fixed, because a, a dog that weighs thirty pounds is very susceptible to a rattlesnake bite. Indeed. Indeed. And every one of the bites are a little different. We have basically uh, two kinds of rattlesnakes here. We actually have more than that. But we have the hematoxin, which is the Southern Pacifics. And we That's have the black and gray one. Uh-huh. And the speckled rattlesnakes. Uh, and then we have the Mojave rattlesnakes. Now, they're a little different breed. And they're neurotoxin. Um uh, you know, if they can uh, uh, initially get over the bite of the neurotoxin, it's not near as uh, lasting effects. The hematoxin snake is, uh, you, you, you'll get lasting, uh, they, they just rot away uh, over the years and everything. And you can have a dog bit and you get over it and next year he'll have lesions and sores and stuff and so it never does completely dissipate so the the hematoxin folks what that does is it's actually it's a blood poison that coagulates the blood in 
in the veins, right. which can cause just massive amounts of tissue to die. Um, the blood quits flowing. Very, very painful. Yeah. Because I've been bit three, uh, three times. I thought it was four. Yeah. That last one, I just laughed at him. So, <laughs> yeah, is that all, that's that why all we you, bring Andy on. Yeah. I said, is that all you got? <laughs> yeah. But, and the effects of them, well, I mean, the initial is is the same with all of them regardless. And after having been bitten the first time, I guess it's a little scary. I was too old. I didn't, I didn't care. I've done everything I want anyway. But uh, they... I read a thing on on online that said that the uh, severity of the bite is is directly related to how much pain you have, and I got to tell you, through all of this, I, I never had any pain. I mean, not really. I mean, uh, it's everything swelled up and stuff like that. And I've had people after I've been bit a couple of times uh, say, "Well, you probably got an immunity to it." Well, that'd be like having immunity to, to elect- acid, yeah. to electricity. Right. You know, you might have a little tolerance for it, but you don't have an immunity. No, no, no. it just don't work that way. But uh, anyway, yeah, they're they're. Uh, this is all we can do for now. So how do they get a hold of you? If somebody wants to set up a, a group of five or six people who have hunting dogs or just regular dogs they run with and hike with, how do they get a hold of you to get a, a snake well, training? Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I, this late in my life, I have, uh, I had a whole lot rather have this be a fundraiser for a particular. Now I do, uh, all sorts of fundraisers, and then we just split the revenue because it does everybody good, and then including the dog, that's a win-win deal. Uh, but I, I, yeah, you can reach me uh, at seven six zero seven nine two two three three seven. And uh, I'll uh, I'll be glad to talk to anybody about that. And uh, like I say, I prefer I know individuals like it. I do a lot of them out in Ritchie Canyon and mm-hmm. just go out there uh, and, and do they a, invite their friends in and have yeah. dogs and neighbors. And so right. that's how I met you up in the, in the banding bench. Hey, folks, this is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at FiringLineRadio.com for our podcast, Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show. If you want to get a hold of Andy, and I'm telling you, this is a great way to protect your dog, 760-792-2337. Set up a day for him to come out and uh, train your dogs, protect your dogs, and maybe even give you a little education, edumacation on rattlesnakes. FiringLineRadio.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks. Boomsticks and Black Friday through December. Every week on the Firingland Radio Show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, and all the great stuff afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Our faithful companion in the battle to uphold all of our rights has been Firingland Radio Show's longtime sponsor, Vince Torres of Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation, then Bullseye Sport in Riverside is where you need to go for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. 
And after you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitudes essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. For more information on the certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951 951- Eight two three zero two one one bullseyesport.com where the Inland Empire gets their guns and ammo. Hey, Merry Christmas, Vince. Folks, I'm here with Dave Smith. Dave Smith uh, is representing Quail Forever and the Bighorn Sheep Society and with Andy from the Edwanda Gun Club and the Snake Trainer Extraordinaire. Um, you have to see this guy deal the snakes. He opens up the basket. He has a little flute and a little swami hat and... Um, you want to take it from there, Andy? <laughs> yeah. He's going to slap me here in a second, folks. Hey. <laughs> and I probably would have deserved it. Dave, let me switch over here to you. Um, you've been quiet our first segment here. Quail Forever, like Andy said, this is a great idea to do the the snake breaks as a fundraiser. Quail Forever is a 501c3 nonprofit here to support quail populations. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Quail Forever uh, is an offshoot of Pheasants Forever, which is back east. Uh, we have the the High Desert chapter, um, which we have roughly around around sixty members uh, nice. um, that are members, but participating active members are um, <laughs> about a handful. Like, uh, like any group. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. Ten percent does ninety nine percent of the work, but. Uh, uh, but anyhow, we're always looking for um, young people to come aboard because, uh, um, of course, I'm a lot younger than Andy, uh, but, uh, you know, by like two months. Well, so is Abe Lincoln. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I get blamed, <laughs> like I said, by two months. But two months, uh, yeah. uh, but anyhow, we uh, well, like I said, we go out there with our uh, vehicles. Uh, uh, we establish uh, water sources. Uh, for the animals, uh, uh, for the migratory birds, for the bees, for the butterflies, um, out there in a, a very arid desert, very which arid. Uh, we depend up strictly on water, you know, coming out of the sky. Well, it doesn't always happen. You know, that that's true. And, and one of the things out there is so much of that area now you're not allowed to drive in, right? Oh, true story. You've got a lot of wilderness area out there. In fact, uh, we've actually been really um, um, curtailed out of that area, too. We can't totally, even... totally excluded from preparing and repairing existing water sources for wildlife by the Park Service. Absolutely. Well, Park Service, uh, uh, I, uh, you know, and uh, like I said, the wilderness area, which uh, is deemed uh, don't set your foot, you know, you don't set your your you can set your feet on don't set your tire tracks on you know so uh uh it's an area that uh, we still have the, the the wildlife out there and they need this this water sources so let me tell you a story this happened about three years ago they got a new guy over there in fish and park service and he denied the bighorn sheep society to go in and repair some guzzlers do you know the story the drinkers yeah, yeah the, the drinkers yeah so um, they they wouldn't allow them to drive in and repair them. They wouldn't allow them. They had this huge permit system. They wouldn't allow them to do anything, they even offered to helicopter in with a water drop to fill up these guzzlers. And they were denied doing that, right? They want an environmental impact report on a helicopter flying over and dropping water in a guzzler. 
So the guy walks in there, and I forget his name offhand, but I remember the horrific pictures. He hiked in there. He found eight dead bighorn rams laying around the water tank that had dried out. Now, that's the efficiency of the U.S. Park Service. They they need to realize that we need access to these areas, especially if we're supporting wildlife. That area up there is so inhospitable. If we're not doing it, nothing can live there. And as far as uh, walking through, you can't. You cannot carry enough water to traverse across that area if you're going to just do a nice little day hike. You can't carry enough, especially in the summertime. You know, they you, you end up uh, feeding ravens. So they have made the entire area off limits to human beings because practically you can't get there. And I just wonder why, why do we do this? Why do we allow these people to set up these rules? It, it, it's, you know, the Delhi Sandfly or, or the, uh, what's it? The one out there by Baker. There's another sand loving fly that lives out there. So you can't go to the dunes. Um, but by restricting people going in there, volunteering their time, treasure and effort to replace water guzzlers where water never existed to enhance wildlife populations on their own dime and to preclude them from that by idiotic rules just drives me up the wall. You might have a a word to say about that. (laughs) Yeah, more than one word about it, but uh, I'll... We'll keep, count the we'll count the letters in them. I'll, I'll keep it right. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Yeah. We are curtailed so often uh, from from uh, you know uh, enhancing a species out there rather than uh, obliterating it from the you know from the planet. And uh, uh, without the, the the lifeblood of the desert, which is water, um, uh, and people say, "Oh, well, you got to you can't." You can't put uh, you can't put artificial water out there for it. You have to be natural water. Um, that I have problems uh, digesting. But in, needless to say, if that's their belief, but with a then they're, sen- pop- then they're sentencing all those animals to death. True story. Yeah, and they it, well, one of the things that you got to remember, I know, one of the things that you got to remember that. We've got a society out there that really does not care for hunters. So if you take the water away and you take the and kill the all the animals away, if you kill all the animals, ah, they can't hunt them. You won't have hunters. If you kill all the animals, they can't hunt them. If you let them die of thirst in the desert underneath the hot blistering sun and rot their carcasses, then they can't hunt them. True story. Now, this same U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Park Service dealt Channel Islands, Santa Rosa Island. When they went out there, they killed 1,100 Rocky Mountain sheep, or Rocky Mountain elk, gun-shipped them, let them rotting. In the, this is the same people because they said, well, they're non-native to this area. Only mice and flowers are. So they killed everything on that entire island. They did it on Catalina. They did it on Santa Cruz. They did it on Santa Rosa. They're murderers. I mean, you want to talk about wanton waste of wildlife. Nobody. Nobody kills more animals than U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. There's not a chance. You mean indigenous to the to yeah, the they envi- said, they indigenous said, to the environment? Yeah, yeah. They said that uh, those elk and mountain and Rocky Mountain mule deer that were placed on that island and grown there for years, and were the only herd that didn't have chronic wasting disease, so you could repopulate states like Idaho and Colorado. They they deemed them unnatural, and they killed them and let them rot in the sun. Yep. That's a crime against 
wildlife to me and and society the the people who did it all you know from jerry brown diane feinstein all those people signed off on this and allowed it to happen and it's it's criminal like i said nobody is a bigger waster of wildlife than the u.s fish and wildlife service yeah you know like i said if anybody wants to contact me you know uh for quail forever um you know, well, what kind of quail do we have up here? Uh, basically, we have uh, valley quail, uh, mountain quail, uh, gambles. About uh, the three species that uh, is 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 in our area here. Um, what are the differences? Uh, the differences is that uh, the gambles will run like an antelope. Uh, seriously speaking, uh, how know. about the way they look? Don't they look very um, similar to a valley? Well, yeah, the the heads on the on the uh, on some are a little different color. Uh, uh, of course, the mountain quail is a species of its own. It's it's a, a much bigger bird, tougher than heck, and yeah. tougher and harder to hunt, harder to find. And uh, when you do, you don't, you know, they don't. Uh, they're not a whole bunch of them, and they don't stick around either. No. And so we'll, we'll get into the different species of quail because I think that's kind of interesting. The most common one that everybody hears that has a little sound that says Chicago, that little call. I mean, yeah. that's your valley quail. It's pretty pretty typical. They have a little top knot. You see them running around the golf course or your house in the backyard yeah. 10 or 20 at a time, maybe 40 if you see a lot of them. Um, those are the most common. Now, the gambles quail, they live in a different area, don't they? Uh, more in the more in the desert, yeah, the um, up okay. in the Mojave Preserve. So we're going to talk about the different types of quail we have up here in the high desert, bighorn sheep, and a little bit more on dog training when we come back after this. FiringLineRadio.com. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, Mulan Labe Saturday, Mulan Labe, Merry Christmas Saturday. It means the same thing. Did you guys know that Mulan Labe means Merry Christmas just in uh, Greek? Oh boy. Did you? No? You didn't know that? Yeah. No. It's, it's a common greeting. Say it to anybody you want, you know. Merry Christmas, Mulan Labe. It's yeah, just... same to you, fellow. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. means come and get them. <laughs> yeah. Hey uh, folks, Merry Christmas. I hope you're having a great holiday season here. I have got Andy and Dave. Both these guys are pillars in the community up there in the high desert as far as conservation is concerned. You know, Andy 
that's what it's about. These guys are spending their time, their treasure, their efforts in increasing wildlife populations up there. We just talked a little bit about some of the trials of dealing with the wildlife and park service, but getting away from that and just focusing on what we have and our opportunities up there. Dave, we want to talk a little bit about the different types of quail. We touched on the valley quail, but the gambles quail live in a different area. Yeah, the gambles quail is uh, more like uh, on the on the uh, preserve out between needles and uh, and uh, Ludlow out in that area there, um, uh, and they are runners. More like a creosote, those rocky hills out yes, there. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, out in that area there, uh, but they're runners, and I mean they flat will run. They'll usually run before they fly, mm-hmm. and uh, and when they do, then they. Uh, like I said, they're they're quick. Where the where the valley quail, uh, uh, you know, more in Southern California here, uh, in the lower lower area, um, they um, they kind of bundle up and bunch up and and you know they they'll hold for a while. Yeah, they'll hold for for a lot longer than the gambles. Interesting. Um, um, of course, the mountain quail. Like I said, they're up around uh, Silverwood and mm-hmm. up Big Bear in that area there. And um, you don't, they're not as plentiful, uh, or you don't see, see as many. They might be plentiful. You just don't see them. They're hard to get into. When you get into mountain quail, you've, you've done your work. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you've climbed the hills. They have a very interesting call. I mean, once you learn what that call is, then you can find them. Because mm-hmm. um, they're, they're quite vocal, but they don't do the little Chicago call. It, no, um, they don't. They, yeah. they chirp a lot and then have a rolling little uh, sound in their call. Um, I had Jim Matthews in here. He was doing some of those calls for us but they're a huge bird as far as a quail is concerned oh yes and they're a beautiful dun blue Mm -hmm. right yes a blue quail and you think like well they'd stand out no no they (laughs) they blend well (laughs) i don't know what why blue is such a good camouflage up there for them but they certainly do blend in and then their top knot or the feathers on the top of their head are usually straight and a couple inches tall Maybe Correct. two of them. Correct. So they're and um, they have a rust-colored bard on their on their chest, right? Just a very beautiful bird. Well, it's hard to remember. You see so few of them. You know, I mean, uh, you can remember the gambles quite well because you see a lot more of them, and even the valley quail, uh, you don't see that that many of. But you know, as quail forever, we uh, uh, establish the the water sources mainly out in the desert. So the main quail that we see out there are the gambles quail, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, from the little buttons to the full grown quail, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's really really now, neat. And when you go out in the springtime and you run into them, and all the little chicks are following them, that that's a crack up. Or you see them just barely flying, they kind of flutter, just the little guys. It's really, really interesting to watch those guys. So if somebody wanted to help you go out there and um, go out there and do some work, how would they get a hold of you, Dave? Okay, you can reach in my cell phone. It's 760-617-3291. And I am the vice chairman for the uh, High Desert Chapter, um, have been for a few years. And uh, <laughs> when and where do you have meetings? Uh, every it's the third Tuesday of um, of every month at the Apple Valley Gun Club at six thirty. Is that and the one right off the fifteen? Correct, on the right hand yeah, side, right off the fifty, right off the Stoddard Wells Road. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, like I said, it's six thirty there. It's where we have our meetings, and they're you know they're not the real highfalutin meetings. They're just here's what we got. Here's the next project. Quite informal, absolutely. And uh, uh, every year we have a dinner. Uh, we have a uh, we call it a dinner. Or it's not too much of a fundraiser, but uh, uh, it's uh, more of a dinner where we have a prime rib and chicken and and then pasta for the people who are are vegetarians. Uh, uh, at I thought the, chicken was for the vegetarians. Well, no, no, uh, that's meat. <laughs> oh, but, it is. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I just wanted to let you know the difference, okay? <laughs> so, so you don't need a head of lettuce thinking it's a chicken. But uh, but anyhow, uh, at uh, Mile High Cafe uh, there in Hesperia, we uh, uh, have a pretty good dinner, and Andy can attest to it. The meal's not too bad. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, but uh, and at that particular time, we usually have um, a drawing uh, um, where we have some firearms. This year, we've got uh, five different firearms. Well, when, is, when is your dinner? Uh, that's uh, March fourteenth. Uh, um, um, it can be March fourteenth, and again, you know, you get a hold of me. Um, we do have a limited amount of people that come to it, so um, you know, get a hold of me for any information on it. And that's at 760-617-3291. Correct. Now, Dave, you're also pretty involved in with the Bighorn Sheep Society. Yes. Now, this society is really, they do all the work. Again, just like Quail Forever, building guzzlers, water sources, doing counts, right? And you have an annual count. Yes, they, they, they have an annual count every year where they go into various places uh, and uh, uh, try to uh, document the amount of sheep in the area. Um, they also have uh, 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 flyby uh, with a helicopter and count sheep also in various quadrants uh, uh, to determine how many sheep is in a particular area. Uh, so, uh, number one, we can determine whether more water sources need to be put in that area uh, or uh, and or the migratory patterns of the sheep because the sheep do more or less migrate back and forth from various places. Um, we have put in quite a number of, of drinkers, which you know, guzzlers, drinkers. Yeah, no water, no sheep. On, yeah, right on the marine base, and they've been really, really decent about letting us put drinkers on there. We have a uh, uh, some, putting some more in. In fact, uh, in January. So, if somebody wanted to get involved with the count. Or helping you on that, how would they do that? Um, uh, again, I don't have a particular number. You could, you know, reach me at that they, number. But and Bighorn could, Sheep has a has a website, don't they? Uh, they have a website. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I'm not sure about that because I'm not a real okay. computer person. At my age, I found that that uh, the dial phone still works great, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keeps your trigger finger lubed. Right? Well, well I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to learn. <laughs> but No worries. Hey, folks, yeah. you can check it out. Look up for Bighorn Sheep Society, Southern California. They do have a website. They'll have their activities listed there. Uh, but the annual count, I'm going to try and do that this year. I think it's in March, isn't it? Usually I, March or April? I think so. Yeah, maybe February. But oh. the annual count is really something that's pretty important. And you can, they'll tell you where to go. It's not like you're going to be wandering through the wilderness. Geez, I didn't see a sheep today. They'll say, look, we want you on this ridge, over this guzzler, look over this valley, and you'll get to learn some new area. 
Yeah. Right. Worst case scenario is you learn some new area, you get to see some sheep and just have a good time, bring the kids and have a have a good one with that. But they are instrumental in our bighorn sheep population. When U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is doing their best to keep the numbers down, here we have individuals stepping up to make the numbers grow. Yeah, yeah I can say that. I'm the host. You can, You guys are too nice to say that, but... I've seen it. I've seen the pictures. So, yeah, we don't want to see any more of those tragedies of of fantastic animals killed because somebody didn't get a permit. Not that that irritates me at all. No, you you hold yourself very well, sir. (laughs) That's never been said before. (laughs) So, folks, check this out now. Quail Forever, all right? You want to help them out? Go get a hold of Dave Smith at 760-617-3291. You want to do a fundraiser and get together with uh, Andy for your dog training? That's 760-792-2337. 760-792-2337. The Bighorn Sheep Society's got their not only their fundraisers coming up, but they have a uh, annual count, which I think is an important thing to get involved with. I've tried for a couple of years just couldn't work out the right weekends for some reason they're not going on my schedule i don't know maybe you could work that out this year yeah let me, let me correct you uh the uh, quail forever has the fun the fundraiser the, the dinner yeah big one sheep does not no right. not at this point okay so they don't have that but they will accept donations uh, oh absolutely okay. absolutely because we're you all, don't have to have a chicken dinner and you can just give them your money all a volunteer all, we're all volunteers, volunteers. Okay, check us out at FiringLineRadio.com. All of our podcasts are there. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll be right back with Andy and Dave right after this. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Bonan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. That's how Conan celebrates Merry Christmas. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. I'm back here with Andy and Dave, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about passing the torch or how do you educate non-hunters about hunting and, and the outdoors because it's not – hunting isn't for everybody, right? But the outdoors can be. So let's talk a little bit about that. Andy, you, you're saying one of the things that um, in addition to your snake breaks, you know, you go to homeowners associations, you know, you're insured. So you can do something at a, at a closed-gated community. You do a lot of those, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, just mostly down in Orange County and stuff where they've where they have built their houses back up in the areas where lots of snakes and there's always been a lot of snakes. Uh 
they'll a lady will call me and say, "I just we just spent all of our money on a house," and I go outside and there's a rattlesnake laying on the driveway, and he didn't spend anything. <laughs> and you know, so I tell him, I said, "Child, if you you know, you moved into their backyard, you moved into their front yard, and uh, there's only one thing you can do, and, and and that is watch what what when you go outside, and if your little doggy is." You better come see me. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, and, and these gated communities have homeowners uh, associations and things, and they like the liability coverage and stuff like that. So that was necessary to do that. We we get a lot of individuals out here in, in the rural areas where that's not necessary, but, uh, but I am insured so that uh, if there happens to be a problem, it, it can be remedied. Nice. And so one of the other things you guys do up there at the Etiwanda Gun Club is you do hunter safety courses. Right. And to go in the field with a firearm in California, you need to go through your hunter safety course and get a license. So it's an important thing. And and frankly, the levels of edumacation you get from instructors varies as greatly as there are zip codes in Southern California. It does. So you really want to make sure you have somebody who is a great presenter, right? I mean, they have to be able to transfer information and not just put people to sleep in the back room. Um, hunting, you know, we talk, I do talk a lot about it on the show, uh, because I do enjoy it, but it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, well, just one of the things you were saying off, off air a little bit ago, why don't you bring that up a bit? Well, yeah, we 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 have periodically uh, hunter safety courses up there, and we've had the same two instructors for a number of years. Um, and in, in in looking at all of this and seeing the youngsters come up, now I don't know. I think I've seen youngsters as as young as five years old, and. Uh, there's not a whole lot of five-year-olds that can read and understand, but their uh, mother, father, they come with them, and, and they allow them to help them and all. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I just uh, am not real sure about all of this. They, uh, As far as the practicality of it, it because it's not, you know, there's five-year-olds that... <laughs> They they want to go watch SpongeBob. They don't care about this. And anyway, uh, we will we will have this, and they will pass the course with their with their mother and father's help. And uh, I, my part of this up there, other than furnishing the facilities for it, is to, uh, to have a little input in it. And at the end of the thing, I always tell the people that uh, th- this child is not ready to go out in the woods and hunt. Uh, it, now he's got his certificate and he's got his number, and so hypothetically he can go down to Walmart and get him a, a license. Well, I, I, this is when I lay it on the, you know, their mother or father, and that is that I hope you determine when it, when they're ready to go out and hunt. Uh Yes, that all that information is good, but anybody that's five, six, seven years old, they're not going to retain 10, it. 10, 12, it. 13, 14, 16, 18, 27, yeah, 35. Indeed. It, indeed. Everybody has a different level of maturity. You betcha. Now, my son, this actually caused a great rift at my house. 
when he was four and a half. I bought him a Cabela's side-by-side, the little plastic one with the little caps in it. Looks real. It's a cap gun. Uh-huh. And I took him with us on a, on a chucker hunt. And he sat by me, and the birds would get up, and he'd go, pew, pew, got him, Dad. I'm like, all right, way to go, right? Well, we took a couple of birds, got them mounted, told them those were his chucker. Well, he's like 14 years old now, and he goes to the gun safe. We we're talking, and he looks, he goes, oh, is that my, I said, yeah, it's your shotgun there. And he picks up, he looks at it, he goes, this is a toy. I go, yeah. He goes, you mean I didn't shoot those birds? I didn't shoot those ducks? I'm like, No. He was mad. It's like, Jake, you're four and a half. Who's going to give a shotgun to a four and a half year old? <laughs> give me a little bit. Of... He actually was incensed that I had tricked him on that. So watch out for that because sometimes even that will bite you in the rear end. Yeah. But uh, I think what you're getting at is if somebody's going to hunt, one of the things that's important and very important to me is that they have a respect for what they're doing, respect for the animals, respect for the outdoors, and they're understanding we don't have to hunt, right? We we get to. It's a privilege. And you have to have that respect. Like the bighorn sheep, right? You guys are out there busting your hump, shoveling and picking and moving rocks and all that kind of stuff. You have a huge respect for the wildlife. And I think that that's what's kind of missing from a lot of our society. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you you hear hunting, hunting, hunting. You know, the big thing about that with youth, to teach youth, is not so much as to hunt a species, but to harvest a species to a certain degree, leaving enough back for seed. Mm-hmm. You have to do this. Don't uh, shoot the whole covey. Absolutely not. Yeah. And this don't annihilate a species in one area because no. it takes too many years for them to come back. And that's just being a responsible steward. True story. Yeah, the only, you know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will annihilate everything. We we don't do that. No, we do, no, we do not do that. Well, for quail forever, we, you know, uh, when, when kids come out there uh, and we have uh, young people come out there to work on the projects with us uh, at various times, you know, they come mm-hmm. out there and they'll handle a broom, a shovel or whatever, you know. And teach them what we're doing out there, as far as you know, as far as uh, creating a water source for the for the creatures out there. But in the same token, we also try to promote the fact that they are out there if they're going to hunt or harvest or to harvest a species uh, to a a, deg- a degree. This also enhances the species as far as the growth the following year, because Mother Nature says this. Less is, uh, is, is less is there, the more they produce. That's right. And the other thing you're going to find out about hunting up in the high desert, um, as you move along, say Highway 138, okay? You come up out of the Wrightwood Pass, and there's one Joshua trees, basically, or in that area. And then as you go towards Palmdale, you get a little bit higher, a little bit higher, and you'll see the plants change almost with a line, like all of a sudden the Joshua trees stop and the pinions start or some of the other bushes start. And what you're going to notice, the more you're out there, is there's a certain way an area will look, you'll tell exactly what lives there, right? Uh, yeah, it, uh, species have their domain. Their preferred habitats. Absolutely. And you, we have the Colorado aqueduct that runs all the way through that desert, which gives water to all kinds of birds all the way along it. So that, that's kind of a nice thing, too. Yep. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of good information out there. And really a lot of nice people. And so if you go out and you volunteer with these guys, you're going to get to learn the area. 
you'll probably find a hunting partner who has a dog, which is a big help when you're quail hunting. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not like Match.com, but you know it's it's kind of like that. You're gonna want to find somebody who knows what they're doing, and if you're interested in getting a dog, they have the resources, they have the information, they can help you pick and choose. Yep. Andy, I'm gonna give you the last minute here. Tell us what's on your mind. Well, you know, uh, this this whole thing, we just don't have an area. Everybody always thinks that this is uh, the out of doors is theirs, and and it's what your you know your uh, ancestors did and whatever. This is not a real good area, so the, uh, for that, even though there is a lot of wildlife here, uh, it's just a lot of people here, and, and it, it's rugged and arid. Man, so uh, we our our uh, Wanda Game Association has uh, has increased in size, but just not not a great deal uh, because these others are shutting down. They're either being put out of business by the property that they have is so valuable that they're selling it off for houses, and uh, so. My gosh, take care of these things, guys, because, uh, you know, I'm on my way out, and you guys are just starting. So, uh, you know, take care of your dog, and and it'll all be out there for you. All right. Hey, folks, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Thank my special guests, Andy and Dave. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all you do. Hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless. We'll see you next year. Thank, Thank you. you. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. Shoot. <laughs> When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.